0: We're back for a full week of talk about everything Southern. Hello, I am John Rawl, the general of all things Southern. Hope you all had a wonderful June weekend. We're going to get you set up for a wonderful three-hour ride all about the Southeast. On this, the show called The Y'all Show. It's talk with an accent on all things Southern, and it is my honor and privilege to sit here in the host chair and kind of officiate the proceedings and we are glad that you have taken the time to join us and encourage you to not only sit around and enjoy the ride but if you want to participate we have a couple of easy ways for you to do that our number to text or call is 803-816-1170 803-816-1170 go ahead jot that down stick it on the refrigerator so you can call or text anytime you feel like it 24 hours a day seven days a week that's right unlike chick Fil A, we are open here on sundays and to at least take your calls 803-816-1170 you also can email us it's mail mail at y'all.com is how to get in touch via email with the show all about the southeast and then of course we're presented by y'all.com the official home page of of the south go there right now and check out amazing content we put up some stuff over the weekend from our friend john allen and jimmy duke the tricks of the trade show you can watch that and it is just a just a very good informative show about home improvement in the southeast done in a truly unique southern way so check that out at y'all.com and also we've got more and more stuff being added each and every day to the home page of the south go there now and then of course at y'all.com you'll find the y'all show and we have our podcast up there you can listen to it you can watch many of the interviews that we do here at y'all and those are available at the y'all show page at y'all.com and if you miss out on the y'all show for the podcast option at y'all.com you also have apple podcast as a way to listen to this show you can also listen to us on stitcher and as well as iHeartRadio and the TuneIn radio apps, all free of charge, always for you to stay in touch with the show that covers everything Southern. Now, on this Monday Getting Your Week Started edition of Y'all, we have headlines from across the Southeast that we'll get to. President Trump, he was back at it Saturday. Did you watch it? You probably didn't. Why? Because, at least according to my folks, Fox News did not cover it. How about that? Fox News getting into the censorship of President Donald J. Trump. So we'll explain what he did say in Greenville, North Carolina, as he spoke at the Republican Convention for the state of North Carolina Saturday evening. Big news coming out of that convention. Big news coming out of President Trump in terms of his daughter-in-law, a North Carolinian. Was she going to be running for Senate in 2022? I'll let you know about all that. And speaking of the Senate, the current senator from the state of West Virginia in the news, Joe Manchin, who just might be the most powerful senator out there in D.C. right now, he is breaking away from his party on this S1 election bill. We'll have the latest from the Mountain States Senator in our headlines across the Southeast here today. Also, we'll let you know how in the state of Virginia, a court is hearing a challenge on the removal of the Robert E. Lee statue in richmond the famous statue of lee on statuary or monument road or monument drive i should know i've been on there a few times and there's a challenge there by the way if you're an alabamian you're off of work today if you're a state employee in alabama happy jefferson davis day in the heart of dixie that's right a state holiday so if you're an alabamian enjoy your extra day thanks to the confederacy's one and only president And so we'll let you know more about that. Also, speaking of the great state of Alabama, they're building a ship, and it's about to launch. And this ship, built in Mobile, is named after a capital not of the South, which Montgomery was, speaking of Jefferson Davis. But no, the Australian capital is now the name of the latest ship to be christened by the United States Navy, the Canberra. I'll tell you more about that, mate. So stay tuned Where you are in North Carolina over the weekend, you might have seen the video, a student denied his high school diploma because he wore a Mexican flag at his high school graduation. No, no, no. You don't do that. At least not in North Carolina, at least in that school district. Now an update from a story. We'll tell you a little bit more about it as we move on with our headlines today. Casey, Casey Anthony, remember her? The train wreck from the state of Florida, the one who was put on trial for killing her young child. And we've told you here in recent days about a bar fight that she had. Well, it's now come out that maybe this bar fight that she had with another woman over another man was a staged fight, a publicity stunt. What in the world is going on with Casey Anthony? I'll let you know. Speaking of Florida, Jimmy Kimmel took a swipe at the Sunshine State the other day, comparing it to America's North Korea. Not a good thing there, Jimmy Kimmel. You're not as funny as you used to be. And now you're picking on one of our great southern states. Don't like that. How about Mattress Mac News? We have that to tell you about. Are you all familiar with the Houston Furniture Store? Well, the man that owns that, not only is he famous for putting down big money bets, he bet for the Super Bowl on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he bet $3.46 million on the underdog Buccaneers to cover in the Super Bowl. And you know what? I think he got his money back. Now, he's put other big bets down. I know he bet on the Houston Astros. He had more than $11 million in play during the 2019 World Series between the Astros and the Washington Nationals, <laughs> and he lost on that one. But I think he won on the Super Bowl. Mattress Mac, Jim Mackinville, who I think is a native Mississippian, in the news because he's helping out the homeless and others around Houston as he's got a new truck to help during flooding as – Houston in that area has had so many problems with storms and hurricanes and more. And Mattress Max Houston Store has a new truck to help out. We'll tell you about that in our feel-good headlines of the Y'all Show today. Speaking of feel-good headlines today, we'll tell you about how Carrie Underwood showed up in Knoxville, unexpected, and what a surprise there at the local fitness store. All that is part of our headlines on today's Y'all Show. And speaking of good stories in our sports headlines today, we'll let you know about Greg Greg, the, the former Carolina Panthers tight end, Greg Olson. I, I can't even have to talk about the story. we got, getting a little, little uh, feel-good feeling going on today. A heart donor found for the son of Greg Olson, the future Hall of Famer, I'll go ahead and say it, who played for the Panthers for a long time. His son, TJ, had been on an organ transplant list, and now the 8-year-old son of Greg Olson had that over the weekend and it looks like things are going well. So we'll let you know the latest from Charlotte about this feel-good story coming out of the NFL. And a feel-good story if you're a Tennessee Titans fan on Sunday, right in the middle of church time, (laughs) the Atlanta Falcons traded Julio Jones right up Interstate 75 and right up Interstate 24 as he's going to go right across Mont Eagle Mountain now, Julio Jones, and now suit up for the Tennessee Titans. As it was announced Sunday, the Falcons have traded Julio Jones, the former Alabama wideout, now going to be part of the Tennessee Titans. A couple of drafts exchanged for this trade in the NFL, but a big day for Titans fans getting this great wide receiver. Now he'll be paired with A.J. in the wideout position for the Tennessee Titans and A.J. Brown and Julio together and Tannehill with Derrick Henry in the backfield. If you like the Titan blue, the both shades of those that blue, ah, you'll hear a lot of Mike Keith, the radio play-by-play for the Titans this year, saying, Touchdown, Titans! Can't say it quite like he did, the voice of the Music City Miracle, of course, yes, but big news in the NFL Sunday Big news college baseball-wise, we had some upsets over the weekend. We had some teams who were hosting regionals that were two and done. I'm looking at you, Florida Gators. We'll let you know the latest in college baseball and several games. Game seven, elimination games today. It's either win and go on to a Super Regional or pack your bag. Your season is over. We'll let you know about all that's going on with college baseball, including a couple of SEC teams that have early games here on this Monday. One of them is an elimination game. One of them, if the Bulldogs of Mississippi State lose, they still have life. And a game scheduled later in the day with the Fighting Camels of Campbell University. We'll let you know about all the fun stuff college baseball-wise here. Some NASCAR news, some NBA news, and a Kind of a big story from golf over the weekend. On the women's side, as a Filipina wins a major, the U.S. Open, it's the first time a Filipina has ever won a golf major for a women's golf major. So we'll let you know about that and how a Floridian just couldn't get it done in the end. And Lexi, oh, Lexi, we are feeling for you. You had a bad couple of holes there, and you just couldn't get the victory. But in men's golf, a nice Overtime win, if you will, on Jack Nicholas's golf course outside of Columbus, Ohio. All that coming up here, Hour 1, we'll share some sports news with you. And before Hour 1 of today's Y'all Show wraps, we've got this week in Southern history. We will honor General Winfield Scott, the Virginia-born general who fought in three wars for this country. His last war put him against his native Virginia as he was a Union Army general in the early days of the Civil War. Let you know about Winfield Scott who celebrated a her birthday here this week. Also, this week marks the birth of one of the most famous Southern women in film. And this woman was actually not a Southerner. We're going to honor Gone with the Wind's Mammy, as she was born this week in a non-Southern state. But her role there as Mammy in Gone with the Wind is truly a remarkable role, a, a, an Oscar-winning role, the first black woman to ever win An Oscar when that happened back in 1939 1940 for the Oscars of that era. And we'll honor Mammy here this week as she was born this week some hundred plus years ago. And I'll let you know more about it here in our Southern history. Plus, this week also marks the week that back in the early 1960s the University of Alabama integrated. Yeah, the famous. George Wallace there standing in front of the door and on the Tuscaloosa campus, all that and more. This week marks the anniversary of that. We'll tell you a little bit more about the Capstone's integration in the 1960s as part of this week in Southern history. All that here in our first hour, hour two today, Jerry Short's going to be stopping by. It's going to be always, it's just so much fun to catch up with the Takapola storyteller. He's got some good stuff to talk about today he's already let me know one thing is going to get you fired up because it has to do with PPP loan abuse. Yeah, have you gotten a PPP loan in the last year thanks to the coronavirus? Some of you did it for the right reasons. Some of you have done it maybe for fraud. And we recently reported here on this show how a couple in Florida are off to jail for a while because of their obtaining a million dollars in PPP loans illegally. They were totally fraudulent loans we'll talk about that with Jerry Short our Tacapola storyteller hour 2 also today in hour number 3 see we got so much going on it's hard to keep up but yeah write all this down if you have to that's what I got to do as you get older that old memory doesn't quite work like it used to when you were let's say 11 years old hour 3 today we're going to go around the southeast and let you know about the fastest growing and the fastest shrinking cities in the southeast is your city on the list for either Great growth or terrible loss? We'll let you know that as part of our coverage of hour number three and also hour three today. We will tell you what's up at you com throughout the rest of the week and also at the y'all show. Some fun stuff coming here on this show as we work our way through the week. So all right here on the show that truly is The South Show. This is y'all here on the seventh day of June. And, of course, I want to take just a quick minute to remember On Sunday, it was the anniversary of D-Day. It would have been, what, the 74th? No, 84th? 1944 plus 21? I better work on my math here. But yeah, it was the anniversary of D-Day on Sunday. And for all of us who appreciate American history and American military history, the 77th anniversary of D-Day held Sunday. And we have a handful of of those great heroes of June 1944 still with us. Thank you, gentlemen, for your service. Thank you for all that you've done and for all the warriors who've gone before and those included those lost that day, June 6, 1944, on the beaches of Normandy. That biggest invasion in world War, world history it, during World War II will never be forgotten, and that sacrifice led to ultimate victory for the Allies over the Nazi powers in World War II, and we remember that Sunday, of course, that fell over the weekend, so we didn't have our typical spotlight like we would, but uh, we are certainly pro-military here and pro-America and certainly pro-Southern, and a lot of great Southerners lost their lives back on June 6, 1944, and many of them survived and had scars from that one day going forward the rest of their lives, and some still with us, thankfully, have led long lives, but still affected by that one day in their life, June 6, 1944. Let's get into what's going on across the southeast here today on this Y'all Show, and we'll start out with how states are coming back from bleak forecasts to pass record budgets across the southeast as the financial future just a year ago looked pretty bad for state governments as governors and lawmakers alike had to cut spending, and things were not going good. But things, it looks like, are turning around and doing a lot better. Erica McKellar is a fiscal analyst with the National Conference of State Legislatures, and McKellar says it's definitely safe to say that states are in a much better fiscal situation than they anticipated. That's wonderful news. Spending plans for the budget year that begins July 1st are up 10% or more in states like Florida, Maryland, and more. Oklahoma – there, pandemic uncertainties last year prompted lawmakers to trim over a billion dollars from the anticipated general revenue, and that resulted in across-the-board cuts for public education and a lot of state services as well. This year, Oklahoma's new budget is up nearly 18 percent, so wonderful news financial-wise for states around the country, and you're seeing a lot of these pass some of the biggest revenue gains That they've ever seen. South Carolina is one of those states alongside Idaho, Utah, Colorado, and more. And again, having a big revenue gain. And so that is something I don't think we could have ever predicted when all this started in March of 2020 with the coronavirus. Florida's record $101.5 billion budget is up roughly 11% with bonuses for teachers, police, and firefighters. Also, new construction projects at schools and colleges in the Sunshine State. And Florida is among several states that amplified their 2021 22 budgets with at least part of their share of $195 billion in state aid package from the recent American Rescue Plan Act that Joe Biden signed into law. So, yes, it is not the worst of news if you're into state legislative news, and it's not as bad and not as bleak as many predicted that it would be. In Richmond, Virginia, a court is expected to hear the challenge of removing the Robert E. Lee statue from Statuary Row, Monument Row in Richmond, Virginia, there on Monument Avenue. Last June, Governor Northam announced a plan to take down the 131-year-old statue of the Confederate general, a move that was very much praised by some and very much criticized by others. And a year later, this bronze equestrian statue still is over the circle there at Monument Avenue, although other statues, I think Jefferson Davis has been stripped down and others have been hauled off after being attacked by activists and spray-painted and more. Two lawsuits filed by people who believe it should stay right where it is have been going on, and on Tuesday of last week, the Supreme Court of Virginia heard arguments and legal challenges among the issues that the court is looking at is whether the state of Virginia, the Commonwealth, is bound by decision made by state officials more than 130 years ago, or can the state undo that decision because of the public's attitude toward Confederate symbols? And right now, according to this court, they're hearing challenges of stopping it from being removed there in Richmond, Virginia, and in a beautiful area of town, Monument Avenue, that saw several Confederate statues alongside Arthur Ashe. That was put up some 25 years ago, but yes, we are proceeding, it looks like, with this court case, and we'll find out at the Supreme Court of Virginia what they rule and and whether that statue follows the, the lead of other statues that have been torn down or if it stands mighty and tall for generations to come there in Richmond, Virginia. For, for a guy who truly was, and in some eyes including my own, one of the greatest Virginians ever, one of the greatest Americans ever, Robert E. Lee. Go look at his story. It's not necessarily all that fair to the general to cast him in a 21st century lens for a man who lived in the 19th century and what he did and what he even did to free slaves. Check it out. Read the whole story. How about this story? The Supreme Court is being asked to decide whether it's sex discrimination for the government to require only men to register for the draft when they turn 18. So are we going to see a change in the Military Selective Service Act? It very well could be if that's what the Supreme Court ultimately rules. So, yeah, it's a rite of passage. If you're a fella, when you turn 18, you got to go down to the post office. You got to sign up for the selective service. But the ladies of the South, they do not have to. Now, of course, women are certainly welcome to serve in the military. It's all volunteer at this point. But it could be one day where women, just like men, sign up for the draft. And change the rules right now where it's only a men's only deal i'm for women having to sign up for the draft that's only fair right it's only equal does that mean that guys have to sign up for birthing babies is that is that the next step we're gonna have to have a guy has to have the challenge of of delivering babies one day yeah let's see if that goes through (laughs) Joe Manchin in the news. He's breaking from his fellow Democrats on an S-1 election bill. He calls it a wrong piece of legislation to unite the country. The For the People Act is the largest overhaul of election law in at least a generation. And Joe Manchin of West Virginia is not on board with that and likely dooming this proposed legislation in the U.S. Senate. As Manchin on Fox News Sunday, again, called it the wrong piece of legislation to unite And he's not supporting that because he thinks it would divide even more. And he says he doesn't want this to be a country that's divided any further. The bill, known as S-1, is the largest overhaul in a long time. It includes requiring states to automatically register eligible voters and offer same-day voter registration. The measure also requires states to offer 15 days of early voting and allows no-excuse absentee voting, which 14 states would have to implement. So Joe Manchin says, no, don't sign me up for that. Again, likely not going to get through the Senate, likely not going to pass if Joe Manchin is not on board and most, if not all, the Republicans are not on board. And so you might just see the death of S-1 election bill thanks to Joe Manchin and a handful of Republicans not getting on board as well. Keeping our political focus on the Y'all Show Monday edition, Donald Trump was back at it Saturday evening in Greenville, North Carolina. He spoke at the North Carolina Republican Convention. And in the speech that was not heard or seen by most outlets, I did watch it. And it was pretty funny. It was Trump being Trump. Trump demanded 100% tariffs on Chinese goods during his speech to the Republicans of North Carolina. He also called for debt cancellation. And he called for $10 trillion dollars. In a word that's not often used by conservatives, he called for $10 trillion in reparations from China for coronavirus relief. And he asked for this not to go just to the United States, but for countries around the world, countries that have been tremendously affected by the coronavirus. We've got 600,000, give or take thousands of others, who've died in this country alone because of the coronavirus. And it's now becoming very evident that it indeed was a virus from China, and it most likely was intentional, coming out of a lab. That's the latest kind of groupthink, if you will, on that. President Trump also talked about Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook, as Facebook recently has banned the 45th president for two years, and the former president claimed that Mark Zuckerberg... He broke the law, spending millions of dollars on encouraging voting in Democrat-led areas in the country, that according to Trump. And he suggested, of course, that the election was rigged. And that, my friends, is likely the reason you did not see or hear a whole lot about President Trump's Saturday evening speech in Greenville, North Carolina, speaking to the Republican Party of North Carolina. Now, two things from a family perspective that he did relay and north carolina he said that his son Barron, who's only 15 years old he said that baron's now six feet seven and he called his other son eric short i think eric's about six four and his 15 year old baron is actually the tallest kid he's got a lot taller than even don jr baron trump at 15 six, 7 and trump said that about his son Barron. He also talked about his daughter-in-law, Eric's wife, Laura. Laura Trump decided not to run for U.S. Senate in North Carolina. And so Trump has pledged his support behind a North Carolina congressman from the Winston-Salem area and has given him his full support for running in 2022. So Laura Trump is not running for U.S. Senate North Carolina. Trump's now back someone else. We'll find out if others get into the race there on the Republican side for 2022. But that was kind of a big news coming out of that convention. And Laura Trump got up on stage, talked about how much she loved her native North Carolina. She's from the Wilmington area. She said she loved North Carolina so much she named her daughter Carolina. And she said, oh, all you Tar Heel fans don't get to thinking that I named my daughter Carolina. You know I'm 100% Wolfpack. That's what Laura Trump said Saturday night. Of course, she's an NC State alumnae. That's the reason she said that. Now, Georgia Republicans also got together over the weekend. And do you know what they did when they got together on Jekyll Island? They booed the current governor, Brian Kemp. He got boos and jeers at his state's annual convention, as many are upset about the way he's handled the election of 2020 and more. And Brian Kemp supporters tried to drown out the taunts pleading for party harmony, but sure enough, the effect of Donald Trump right there at the Georgia Republican convention at Jekyll Island, as Brian Kemp's supporters had to fight hard to have their man, the the current Republican governor of that state, come out and be heard. Many people very upset about what happened over these last few months in the state of Georgia Delegates there in Georgia censured the Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger for his more direct part in administering the 2020 elections. And Raffensperger is also seeking a re-election in Georgia. So it's going to be hard to get out of the Republican primary if they've got this kind of disunity going on within Georgia's Republican Party. And they've got a big 2022 in Georgia. They're trying to unseat Raphael Warnock, who beat Kelly Loeffler. And so they need to, if they're going to try to win in 2022, they've got to kind of be on the same page and not be so vocal in their dislike of some of the things that have gone on in that state in the last eight months here. And so that's the news from Jekyll Island. I should have been sent there to cover that. That had been a nice assignment here at y'all.com and the Y'all Show. Washington and Lee in Lexington, Virginia, the historic university there named after the nation's first president and named after the Confederate General Robert E. Lee. The university announcing on Friday that it will not remove the name of Robert E. Lee from its school name, but instead will change names on campus buildings and symbols while committing $225 million to diversity and inclusion initiatives and a new academic effort to study race relations. The Washington and Lee Board of Trustees voting 22 to 6 to keep Washington and Lee, Washington and Lee, and this followed an 11th month review of issues related to the history and environment of the small liberal arts school in Lexington, Virginia, a school that has been and may still be all male right there next to the VMI campus in Lexington, Virginia. But pretty hard to, in my opinion, name the school just after George Washington after it's been W&L for so long. And, of course, Robert E. Lee is buried on the Washington and Lee campus. And his horse traveler buried right there, too, in the Shenandoah Valley. But right now it's going to stay Washington and Lee and Lexington, Virginia. And today is Jefferson Davis Day in the state of Alabama. If you're a state worker in the heart of Dixie, you don't have to go to work thanks to not the native Alabamian, but the native Kentuckian. Jefferson Davis, born June 3rd, 1808 in Kentucky, and then he ended up settling in Mississippi, serving as the Magnolia State's U.S. Senator before the Civil War. He was a war with the Mexico in the 1840s hero. Battle of Buena Vista is where Jefferson Davis got to be very famous and went on to be a Secretary of State in the United States. Likely a I would say Jefferson Davis would likely have been a United States president if not for the Civil War. He he was on a fast track. He was certainly one of the biggest influences in that mid mid 19th century and had the connections to Kentucky and Mississippi, West Point alumnus and more. And today in Alabama, it is Jefferson Davis's birthday, which is a state holiday in the heart of Dixie. State offices closed, state courts in Alabama closed. The post office is open, banks are open, but in some counties across Alabama, some might be closed if you want to go in and get your car tag renewed. Now that would make you fired up if you were just turning 16 years old and you thought that you could go and get your car tag or your license and you're just so excited that we had a weekend, you couldn't go in, and today... You walk in on June 7th to get your car tag in Alabama or your license. Sorry, close for Jefferson Davis' birthday. And you're like, who the heck was Jefferson Davis? Well, that uh, could be the case if you're somewhere in Alabama today not getting your car tag. And one last little story out of the great state of Alabama. Hey, we've got a new ship that's going to be sailing the high seas for the United States Navy. This ship built in Mobile, christened in Mobile, is named after the capital of, not the heart of Dixie, the capital of Australia, as we've got the new ship, the Canberra, and it is setting sail from Mobile Shipyard. Austal, USA is where this ship was built, and the Australian government's minister, counselor, defense material, Allison Petchel, helped christen the ship over the weekend, the USS Canberra, and Austal, headquartered in Perth in Western Australia, opened its Mobile Shipyard over 20 years ago. So an Australian company building ships in Mobile Bay. And now we've got this ship, the Canberra, now part of the United States fleet. Why are we naming ships after Australian capitals? Well, this ship technically, technically, is named after the capital of Australia. It's an LCS-30 for all you naval masterminds out there. We had a World War Two ship also named the Canberra, and that was because in the early days of World War Two, Australia was so critical to our war of trying to defeat the Japanese. In fact, Australia was right on the edge of being attacked. In fact, they did have an aerial attack, I think, at one time in the northeast coast of Australia. And so, therefore, carrying this name on the Canberra to today's modern Navy is a Really, really big kind of salute to the World War II Canberra. And that's why we have a connection. And how about that? This ship built in Mobile and now christened in the Mobile Bay area over the weekend. Fair winds and following seas, as naval folks might say. We'll take a break here on Y'all. Come right back. We've got to look at a few more headlines. And before the hour's up, a little sports news and a little southern history news. Talk with a southern accent. We'll continue after this.
1: a great big mystery And it sure is worrying me This Diddy War did it This Diddy War did it I wish somebody would tell me what Diddy War did means. me The little girl about four feet four Told Papa and give me some more Of your Diddy
2: War diddy. Your Diddy War did it I wish somebody
0: would tell me what did he mean? We're back on y'all, continuing a look at headlines from across the southeast to North Carolina over the weekend. Did you read or hear about a high school graduation in Asheboro? A video leaked from Asheboro High School's graduation on Thursday of last week showing an unidentified student wearing a Mexican flag over his high school graduation gown. And this was also draped across his back and shoulders as he proceeded toward the stage. The student was supposed supposed to be getting his high school diploma handed over to him. The school there decided to deny the diploma because of the flag draped over his gown. And that was a violation of graduation dress code, according to school officials at Ashboro High School in North Carolina. Officials saying in a statement, the heart of the issue is the fact that the student did not follow the established dress code for the event and detracted from the importance and the solemnity of the ceremony. Our dress code is in place to ensure the dignity of the event is upheld and is fair to all students. In another statement, school officials said they continue working to resolve this issue with the student and his family so that he will receive his diploma from Ashborough High School. Ah, what do y'all think of this? Was it against the flag, or was it against policy there? The guy not getting his diploma, at the time at least, because he decided to drape a Mexican flag in Ashburn, North Carolina, over his graduation outfit. What if it would have been, hey, the trendy thing these days is to be waving rainbow flags if he had been Waving that and putting that over his high school graduation gown, would that have also caused him to not be allowed to get his high school graduation? What do you think? 803-816-1170. But yeah, the unidentified student denied his diploma at the time. I'm sure his parents were not very fond of them doing this. But you got to have rules in place. And if they were told they couldn't do things like do this and a lot of high school graduations can get a little bit out of hand in this time of year. A lot of people don't like and I don't like graduation ceremonies, and it turns into a rock concert. It turns into yelling and screaming and air horns and all that more when somebody gets their high school diploma. Let me tell you, as a guy who has a high school diploma, okay, uh, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> it, 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 I know it means a little bit. But getting a high school diploma is not that hard. And to, to accomplish getting a high school degree is not the end of your life. I mean, life's not over once you get the degree. You've got a lot more to go for, whether it's more education or getting to work. And and to me, it seems like I'm telling you this about it not being that big a deal. I'm telling the adults that, that sit there in the crowd and, and try to embarrass the kid. Let them enjoy their day. Let let their name be heard whenever they go across that stage. And when you start to yell and cheer and and some people have air horns and more at these high school graduations, it cheapens the day for the student who did work hard. Like I said, it's it's, it's a nice accomplishment, but it's not the greatest accomplishment they're ever going to get, or it shouldn't be. Getting that high school diploma. So just make it civil. And evidently that's what they tried to do there the administrators in Ashburn North Carolina and that does not include letting people walk across stage with Mexican flags and so therefore they're doing something about it and they ultimately going to have to give the kid his diploma. Now, one more news headline first hour here today's y'all show. The Memphis Liberty Bowl in the news and Peyton Manning in the news as the Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl champion, and college All-American recipient, Peyton Manning. He was in Memphis Sunday to take home the AutoZone Liberty Bowl Distinguished Citizen Award. The award is given to an individual who has excelled in their field. Peyton Manning will be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this summer. I didn't realize that. And as the NFL's only five-time MVP and 14-time Pro Bowler, he's also on the NFL's 100 all-time team his daddy Archie was named distinguished citizen from the Liberty Bowl back in 2016 so the two now become the only father-son duo to each win the most viable player and college American honors recipient Peyton Manning honored at the Liberty Bowl with the AutoZone Liberty Bowl distinguished citizen award from the weekend way to go number 16 or Let's see. He was 16 at Tennessee. Was he 18 in the NFL? See, I I don't even know. Uh, Peyton Manning. It doesn't matter. He's a winner, both from the college level and the NFL level. Although he did not win a national championship, for all of you haters of Tennessee out there. You do have that on him. But should have won the Heisman. Some guy from Michigan is the one that won it, and I said that intentionally. Yeah, and certainly Tennessee got oh so close, and 97 with peyton steering the ship couldn't quite get there and then as we know the following year they got a national championship on rocky top we'll take a break here on y'all talk with a southern accent when we come back we have some sports news we won't have peyton manning news we will have some news from other fronts here that we'll tell you about as the y'all show continues on it's talk with a southern accent we don't want you to miss out on the fun. Vandy, Vandy, oh, hell yeah. Congratulations to the Vanderbilt baseball team, one of the best teams in all of the land in college baseball. You're defending college baseball national champions, and it was a late night at Dudley Field. Vanderbilt advances to the Super Regionals. I'll tell you more about Tim Corbin's ball club. This is the Y'all Show, a quick look at the weekend in sports here on this monday edition in college baseball big time over the weekend as you had regional play and the vanderbilt commodores end up defeating georgia tech it was a late night there on west end it went to 11 innings but vandy wins 14 to 11 over danny hall's Jolton jackets and commodores advance to the super regionals of college baseball's Postseason. Now, let me do my best to kind of clear up what all happened. On Sunday, we had weather affecting some of the regionals, so some of these things ended up getting a little bit behind schedule. But I will tell you, Alabama got eliminated. They lost their game to Louisiana Tech on Sunday, so they got out. Florida State got eliminated. And then when you moved on to the game sixes, the championship games, at least where one team had a chance to win in advance, you saw some teams do quite well, some not so well. We're bragging on the Vanderbilt Commodores, oh, about two and a half hours east of Nashville in a place called Knoxville. The Tennessee Vols, man, what a great turnaround for Tony Vitello's team. What a great turnaround this past weekend. They were nearly upset in their first game, and then they bounced back and went all their games. And Sunday, they defeated the Flames of Liberty 3-1, to one, and the Vols advanced to the Super Regionals, Notre Dame out of the ACC also advanced after they got a big win on Sunday over Central Michigan. The ACC's NC State Wolfpack, they got the 14-7 win over the home Louisiana Tech Bulldogs on Sunday and state advances to the super regionals. Texas Tech advances after they got a victory over UCLA Sunday 8 to 2. Also advancing to the Super Regional. The East Carolina Pirates with a 9-6 victory in Greenville. What a great game, great effort there by the Pirates out of the American. They move along to the Super Regional. The Texas Longhorns advance. Texas with a 12-2 victory Sunday over Fairfield with a dominating performance in Austin, and the Horns are continuing on. Also advancing the Arizona Wildcats. They got the victory Sunday over UCSB five to two and one other i think was held that i needed to let you know Mm, i'm not seeing it here what i do know is some teams had the chance to advance sunday and they just couldn't get it done and as a result of that they got to play today and it's either win and advance to a super regional or pack your bags fellas the season is over one of those teams the mississippi land sharks mississippi lost at Swayze Field Sunday to in-state foe Southern Miss. And now the Golden Eagles have a chance to win today. This is an early game set for a 1 Eastern 12 noon start from Oxford in the Oxford Regional. ESPN2 is televising the Battle of Magnolia State Schools, the Golden Eagles, and the Land Sharks at 1 Eastern 12 noon today. Also in the Magnolia State today, you've got an early game with Mississippi State taking on the fighting Camels of Campbell. And this is a continuation from Sunday. They did not get their Game 6 in. If Mississippi State wins against the Fighting Camels, they will be able to advance to a Super Regional. If State loses to Campbell, there will be a late afternoon matchup in Stark Vegas between Campbell and Mississippi State. Arkansas lost their opportunity to advance to a Super Regional on Sunday. Nebraska upset them there in the Fayetteville area. And today, and this is a 7 Eastern, 6 Central start from the Ozarks, Arkansas and Nebraska. Winter moves on to the Super Regionals. Nebraska looking to upset the number one team in all of college baseball and in their season of what most people called the likely national champion, Arkansas Razorbacks. Virginia upset ODU in Columbia on Sunday, and now the Hoos have a chance to advance if they can get the victory over the number 15 Monarchs of ODU. This regional, again, is in Columbia, South Carolina. Also, you have a championship going on late tonight in California. Stanford fell to the Anteaters of UC Irvine, and those two get together late tonight. On this Monday on ESPNU and also on the left coast this evening, it's a chance for LSU to get to a Super Regional. The Tigers defeating the host Oregon Ducks on Sunday. And so you've got a Game 7 winner-take-all type deal between Palmonares, Bayou Bengals, and the Oregon Ducks here on this Monday. And that's a quick look at what happens In college baseball from the weekend, how about the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday trading Julio Jones to the AFC's Tennessee Titans? In exchange for Jones, the Titans will send a 2022 second-round draft pick and a 2023 fourth-round selection to Atlanta. Along with Jones, the Falcons will send a 2023 sixth-round pick to Nashville and to the Tennessee Titans. But Julio Jones, the great Alabama wide receiver of some eight years ago, now switching addresses. He's going to go from the 404 to the 615. That would actually be changing area codes if you're keeping score at home. But a big news coming from Sunday. I was actually leaving church when I got a, a, a guy at church pulled out his phone in church and said, hey, the Titans just picked up Julio Jones. So, yeah, some people get alerts even when they're in church. And so, amen, brother. The Titans <laughs> going to be uh, feeling salvation now that Julio Jones is going to be wearing that nice blue color alongside A.J. Brown in the Tennessee Titans' wideout room. A uh, feel-good story to wrap up our headlines from sports here on this Monday. The son of Carolina Panthers, former Carolina Panthers Titan Greg Olson, has received a heart transplant and a wonderful story coming from Charlotte. A, a wonderful but bittersweet story because when one person, in this case young T.J., Greg Olson's 8-year-old son gets a heart transplant. It means that some other young child has lost their life, and a heart was donated. And so it was just, just a touching thing that Greg Olson sent out. In fact, he said a day of mixed emotions because, of course, they end up getting a heart for his son whose heart was failing and acknowledging that somewhere out there a family lost their life. Some young child's heart stopped whenever they died and so therefore the heart transferred there and so we that happens all the time uh, where we have amazing people whose body their organ donated to science in this case Greg Olson's son as the beneficiary so we wish TJ the best as he's had his heart transplant hopefully it all works well and he has a long healthy life but a a feel-good story from Charlotte and the former Carolina Panthers tight end and current NFL color analyst I think he is with Fox I think that's what was reported but Greg Olson one of the good guys and good to hear that his son is getting perhaps a second chance to live thanks to someone out there and their unselfish sacrifice and donation of a heart and it's an anonymous donor by the way so we don't even know who or where this heart comes to the Olson family from we'll come right back on the y'all show wrap up this first hour with some southern history news i'll tell you a little bit about winfield scott and this week we celebrate the birth of mammy from gone with the wind all that's coming up on talk with a southern accent 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with y'all Wrapping up our one here on y'all talk with a Southern accent, a little Southern history conversation, if you don't mind here and born this week in 1786, y'all remember the year 1786, just after the country won against, well, the new country won against a place called the United Kingdom. Winfield Scott born this week in Dinwiddie County, Virginia, and he went on to live until the year 1866. Winfield Scott, old fuss and feathers was his nickname. The grand old man of the army also was his name. If you don't know anything about him, he was like the career military general, having served in the War of 1812, the Indian Wars, also served in the Mexican American War, and the American Civil War, of which he sided with the Union, unlike a guy named Robert E. Lee from Virginia as well. But Winfield Scott, born this week, Back in 1786, certainly a long, lengthy career of a guy who many thought would end up being a president. In fact, he ran for president and did not get that choice as he ran in the early part of the 20, rather 19th century, serving, though, in the administrations of the Pierce and Buchanan administrations, also in the Lincoln administration, but he was part of the 1852 presidential election that nominated Franklin Pierce and ended up not winning that. Yes, as Pierce defeated Wig. He was a Wig member. How would you like to be a Wig member and uh, losing out to Pierce? Mr. Pierce wins over Winfield Scott, again, with a birthday here this week. Also with a birthday this week, Hattie McDaniel. Do you know her? She was mammy and gone with the win. Hattie McDaniel, born June 10th of 1893 and i bring her up today because she has one of the most quintessential southern roles ever certainly in the biggest film ever about the south gone with the wind she's got a big role as mammy a role in which she won the academy award for best supporting actress the first black to ever win an oscar hattie mcdaniel as southern as she was there in gone with the wind and other some of the other things that she did throughout her career was actually born in Wichita, Kansas and grew up part of her life in Colorado. She's never lived in the South. Hattie McDaniel died in 1952 at only 59 years old, but Mammy was not a Southerner, but boy, one of the most famous Southerners ever, at least on film. And of course, in Gone with the Wind, she starred alongside someone not from the South, someone not even from America in Gone with the Wind. We're talking about Vivian Lee, the beautiful Brit who starred in that famous Southern role in Gone with the Wind. Also this week in 1963, the University of Alabama became desegregated as federalizing Alabama National Guard troops were in Tuscaloosa. Governor George Wallace ended his blockade of the Capstone in Tuscaloosa, which allowed two black students to enroll June 11, nineteen. 19- Sixty-three, Of course, this after his 1963 inaugural address, of which he promised white followers segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever, except his inaugural address from early 1963, was totally thrown in the trash can because June 11, 1963, two black students, Vivian Malone James A. Hood, enrolled at the University of Alabama, And that was this week in 1963. And that is a look at some Southern history news here on this Monday. We have concluded our first hour of talk with a Southern accent. We've got a whole nother hour of conversation about Dixie coming your way. Hang on. In hour number two, we're going to get it going with a continuing look at headlines from across the Southeast. And then also hour two, our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short is going to be coming by and he's got some good stuff to talk about including pp loan and the abuse of signing up for ppp loan say that 500 times fast triple p yeah you know what that is if you've been around the last year we'll have information all that and uh, southern accent on food coming your way hour two it's talk with a southern accent and we will be right back so hang on to your bootstraps Ready to sign you up for a whole nother hour of talking about what's going on in the southeast. This is y'all. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. Good to just be around all you guys and gals. I'm John Rawl, General John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American, and if you want to be a part of the Southern show, it's so easy to do, 803-816-1170. we got two more hours of Southern conversation coming up here In our third hour today, I'll go ahead and jump forward an hour, we've got a really cool segment, the fastest growing and fastest shrinking cities in the entire U.S., and several of these, of course, are right here in the southeast, and I'll share with you which of those cities might be in your state. Also, we've got a look at sports news, including NBA, and also a little information on NASCAR coming your way in hour three as we had a back-to-back winner in California over the weekend, plus some golf news as we had, for the second time, a teenager winning a U.S. Open. We'll let you know that U.S. Women's Open, that is. All that coming up in Hour 3, but coming up here in Hour 2 of the Y'all Show, continuing to look at headlines to get things going. Then Jerry Short, the Takapola storyteller, is going to be dropping by in just a little bit, and Jerry is going to be talking about how some people out there and I hope you're not one of them, have taken advantage of PPP loans in the last year. And some of you might be getting a knock on the door from the feds real soon if you were in violation of the PPP loans. So Jerry's got a conversation about that. Plus, we'll likely talk about something from yesteryear, as we always do, with our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short. That's coming your way hour right here on this Hour 2 coverage of Talk with a Southern Accent. We also have a Southern Accent on food from Kobe Bennett. Cannot wait for that. Have y'all got hunger pains already? Well, if you haven't, you will when Kobe drops by in just a few minutes here in the second hour of the program. Don't forget, our website is y'all.com. you com is the official homepage of the Southeast, and we would love for you to go there and learn a lot more about what's going on Across the Southeast. Check it out, y'all.com, the homepage of the Southeast. As we begin our hour two headlines, a reminder that as we reported in hour one, a lot of states out there are seeing what they predicted to be bleak forecasts for their revenue end up being a boom. And it is a wonderful news story to pass along here in the month of June that these states, which had anticipated the worst, It looks like they might end up coming out better in some cases than they could have ever predicted. Some cases, I'm not sure they're going to be better than they've ever been before as states rebounding from bleak forecasts to pass record budgets across the South, across the nation, and more. And so, yeah, we're seeing this right now go on in state governments as well, and it trickles down to the local level and more. A recent Pew report found that after an initial sharp plunge in tax revenue, 29 states recovered to take in as much or more during the peak pandemic period of March 2020 through February 2021 than they did during the same 12-month period before the pandemic began. A state like South Carolina posted some of the biggest revenue gains in the country. I don't know how they did it. I do know This may be the case in some of our states. I do know that the Palmetto State, to their credit, they've got a a rule on the books in Columbia that each year they have to have a balanced budget that is required by the Constitution of the state, that they must have a balanced budget before they can be dismissed, I guess, the state legislature there. Now, again, I haven't studied up on state legislatures, but that's the only one I'm aware of like that. And why don't we not have that same policy for the good old United States government instead of having all these trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in deficit? Wouldn't it be nice to know that your state is right there at least breaking even, if not right there making money, as it might be the case in South Carolina? Now, you're seeing other states like Florida. Florida's record $101.5 billion budget is roughly 11% with bonuses for teachers police and firefighters and new construction projects at schools and colleges throughout the Sunshine State. And that's roughly, again, 11% higher than before with a $101.5 billion budget Ron DeSantis has enacting throughout Tallahassee and the rest of the Sunshine State. Florida is among several states that amplify their 2021-2022 budgets with at least part of their share of 195 billion dollars in state aid package from the recent American Rescue Plan Act that Joe Biden signed into law. But again, the news looks pretty good from mo- most of the states around the country that they're not in dire straits as many expected them to be. Speaking of politics, President Donald Trump, the former president, the some people would say the former and future president was in Greenville, North Carolina over the weekend as he had his first big speech before a large crowd at least since he was in the Orlando area back in February and he spoke to Matt Schlapp's whatever they call that um, CCom Conservative Convention they had there. I forgot what it's called. CPAC, that's it, CPAC. Not not C-SPAN, CPAC. And so Trump, for the first time in over three months now, made his way to Greenville, North Carolina for the Republican Convention of North Carolina. And it was a lot like the old Donald Trump, as he was going after people like Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, saying that Zuckerberg broke the law, spending millions of dollars on encouraging voting in Democratic-led areas in the country. That's what Trump said. Uh, He also said that the 2020 election was rigged, and he said that Facebook's he says, they may, they say they may allow me back in two years. They recently kicked him off and said they would not let him back on for two years. Trump saying, they may say that they may allow me back in two years. I'm not too interested in that, according to the 45th president. He also announced here at the Greenville speech on Saturday evening that he is asking for 100%. He's not asking, he's demanding 100% tariffs on Chinese goods. Debt cancellation if you owe China money, not just America, but the rest of the world, to cancel the debt. And he's also asking for countries around the world to ultimately get $10 trillion in reparations from China for what happened with the coronavirus. And also, during the announcement there in Greenville, he said that he would be getting behind another person for U.S. Senate in North Carolina as his daughter-in-law, Laura, Decided not to run, and so he is supporting a current Republican con- uh, con- congressman from the Winston Salem area to be the Senate nominee for the Republicans in 2022. And Laura saying that she's just got too much going on with her kids. That she was flattered. She says at the convention, his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump, that she's not interested now. That this could be something she might look at down the road, but the president getting behind someone already a little surprising. that He would do that since we're more than a year away from that election in North Carolina to fill a Senate seat in 2022. But president Trump kind of back, I said to his old ways speaking over an hour with some real humor there, a couple of, uh, expletives mixed in for good measure and kind of like what you might expect because he talked about the 2020 election and more, He ended up not being covered live on Fox. He was not covered on other networks, and it was pretty hard to find his speech. In fact, one of the international organizations on YouTube, it showed that they had his speech up. I think it was Globe. Is that a a European news organization? I think it was Globe had on YouTube here clicked on this and watched Donald Trump's speech at the North Carolina Republican Convention. I did that, and it didn't play on YouTube, which I never normally have any problems playing something off of YouTube. I wonder if they censored it. I wonder if they did not allow you to view it. And if you watch the speech, about 75% of it was true Trump forum, not necessarily going after the election, not going after really anybody, just talking, you know, his opinion on things. And then toward the end, he did get into the election of 2020 and more, but I I thought it was – in some ways a a good speech but not necessarily the speech that's going to make all the news networks go bananas over and i know that was the case because how many news networks on sunday even had a whole lot of stuff from this speech saturday in greenville north carolina i don't think too many i don't think too many if i go back and look at the film again from the sunday news shows to the state of Let's see where we're going. Texas we go. That's yeah, Texas. Y'all know about Texas. A woman in Texas arrested for posing as a 13-year-old as her daughter, that's 13-year-old, to prove a point on school shootings. This 30-year-old El Paso mom says a social experiment shows teachers were more preoccupied with students' virtual learning than those in the classroom. And now this woman, Casey Garcia of San Elizario, has been arrested after spending an entire day at a middle school posing as her daughter and then documenting her experience online. And administrators and most teachers failed to notice that this was the mom, 30 years old, by the way, of this middle school student. And she's now been arrested and charged with criminal trespass and tampering with government records. Incident happened at Garcia Enrique's Middle School, 20 miles southeast of El Paso, taken into custody at her home, and one video posted on YouTube, a video titled, Going to School as My 13-Year-Old Daughter. Garcia is wearing a yellow hoodie, glasses, and black face mask entering the school. I guess because of these masks wearing, you can get away with being 30 years old and posing as a 13-year-old daughter. Uh, she She probably shouldn't have put this on social media. I don't. Totally get where she was going from from a standpoint of trying to prove a point here. One thing she's proving that she's going to go to jail again for trespass and for other idiotic decisions. But this woman arrested for posing as a daughter to prove a point on school shootings in the El Paso area. Another person who's been in the news more than once for not necessarily the best of decisions. And now one story that we recently told you about could be a complete hoax. Casey Anthony, here on the Y'all Show in the last couple of days, we told you about a bar fight that she got into over another fella, over a guy, a, a woman, a cat fight, if you will. And now it looks like that this cat fight at a bar in Florida could have been a publicity stunt for a new documentary. At least that's what Arrival is saying. Thelma Moya is also spilling the tea about the infamous or the infamous drink, according to an article out here, a bar fight publicity stunt. Thelma Moya, who was the woman who supposedly got into this fight, this dust-up with Casey Anthony, the Florida woman accused of killing her daughter Kaylee, and then went to trial and ultimately was found not guilty. Thelma or was acquitted, whatever the legal term was back in that time, Moya told Fox News over the weekend that Anthony's fabrication of the West Palm Beach, Florida incident and how miserable Casey Anthony is, is also exposing that all the drama between the two of them is just to keep her name relevant, according to Thelma Moya, saying that it's all an act. She's starved for attention, and she wants the publicity that she so desires. Did you know that Casey Anthony, who's now 35 years old, is working on a documentary. Yeah, that evidently is something going on right now. But, yes, according to this other woman, this is all part of a a stunt, if you will, coming from Palm Beach in Florida. Also out of the Sunshine State, a man throws a baby at deputies after a high-speed chase, and now the sheriff's office in that portion of the Sunshine State is now posting an edited dash cam and helicopter video of the chase throwing a baby at deputies are you crazy are you are you out of your mind yes this two-month-old baby tossed at the indian river county sheriff's deputies over the weekend and now 36 year old is facing charges in that portion of the sunshine state and according to authorities john henry james the third has charges facing him including aggravated child abuse after a 40-minute drive back at the end of May where he tried to kind of get rid of the local sheriff's deputies chasing him and he had a kid in the car. And then he ends up trying to throw the baby at deputies after a high-speed chase. Deputy Jacob Curry, who caught the baby after the chase, described how the throw was overhand and called the situation awkward, Saying, "I've seen some crazy stuff, but this is definitely up there. It wasn't a nice underhand handoff from a foot away. It was a throw. Ugh, send that person to jail for even longer." John James, John Henry James the third, throwing a baby after a high speed chase. Are you, are you crazy or just plain stupid in that county in Florida? Now speaking of Florida, it got a bad rap the other day on national TV because of. What was a once funny person on late night TV, Jimmy Kimmel, poking fun at Florida, calling it America's North Korea. And now viewers are reacting to what some say hateful ignorance coming from ABC host Jimmy Kimmel. Governor Ron DeSantis has been a favorite target of the media for largely keeping Florida open during the coronavirus pandemic. And then recently DeSantis had some other legislation he signed into law that many in California and other, let's say, liberal areas were not big fans of coming out of the Sunshine State. And now what the late-night talk show host said is pretty bad. He said, quote, In America's North Korea, the Sunshine State, from time to time we enjoy taking a look at what's going on, and tonight we're doing it again on Ron Governor Ron DeSantis edition of this week in Florida and what they showed was a video of DeSantis kicking off the 2021 python challenge outside of the Florida Everglades which I did not know they had like a rodeo of catching Burmese pythons in the Everglades portion of Florida every year but yeah that was a pretty low blow to one of America's largest states calling it America's North Korea Jimmy You need some new material. That was not funny and that was not nice. I don't mind people poking fun at the South if it's warranted, but to call it North Korea is not funny and really a cheap shot at best and likely a lot more. Get a new writer. I think most of those shows out there, in my humble opinion, need a lot of new, fresh writing. I remember, do y'all remember way, way back when late-night talk shows were actually funny and apolitical. They may have picked on the president some, but during the Trump era, for sure, almost every single talk show at nighttime was all about getting Trump. Just Trump, 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 how stupid, how dumb, how terrible he was, not even trying to be funny. Stephen Colbert, South Carolinian, was 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 and may may have been the number one guilty party of being a complete uh, jerk for every every show we had some kind of big time negative thing and that's why frankly a lot of people in the south have not been tuning in these late night talk shows. I like not late night talk shows that are funny and then have good interviews. And these things these days. Or I can't believe every single one of them. I, I think, other than Conan O'Brien, and I heard he's leaving the air. See, I don't even watch this stuff anymore. I heard that he's walking away from being a late night talk show host. I think I saw that. Uh, yes, yeah, just it's just not funny. We need fun at nighttime. You know what? We also need here in the South our Takapola storyteller to pay a visit and he's going to do that jerry short is the taco polo storyteller and when we come back after this break jerry's going to be on to tell us about some good stuff from the south of yesteryear and some stuff going on here in dixie today this is talk with a southern accent with john rawl thank you for being a part of the fun y'all show talk with a southern accent how y'all doing we're getting another week of talk about the south up and going and when we reach this special spot of the show covering everything dixie we bring on the guy that knows a whole lot about this part of the world jerry short he is the Takapola storyteller and jerry is on with us right now to let us know what is going on in his part of the south jerry thank you and welcome back to y'all talk with us southern accent how's
1: it going john good to hear you
0: got you in a studio set up today i like
1: it <laughs> i thought i'd drive by and uh, since i was in town and see how the upper class lived.
0: <laughs> i like it i like it the upper class well let's be honest the upper class we're not doing too good these days but that's okay that's a whole nother story But we're glad to have you aboard. Jerry and I are excited that the summer is here. We're excited that maybe you are also having a great summer start. And Jerry, I was hanging out with you and we were driving around and we were going to eat catfish and having dessert here lately. And I had you talk about something or you brought up something to my attention that unfortunately for those young folks like me, this is not all that common these days. Back in the days of the Takapola Storyteller's Youth, there was something called a purple cow. Could you oh. tell us about some memories of what that is and what the heck that is?
1: Well, you know, they've got a commercial on television these days. You never They want show a leftover- cow that's purple. And I don't think anyone actually knows the origin of why you say purple cow. But when I was a kid, it was like a... Ice cream probably originated in drugstores. And most drugstores had a soda fountain. And a soda fountain, you could come up and you could order, you know, a banana split. Boy, that sounds good. Or you could order uh, some kind of, car- I like to just drink carbonated water. Made me think I was a big shot someday. But you had another thing that uh, I liked that you could call, they called it a, cur- a purple, purple cow. And I bet they had a lot of those in Louisiana, around LSU. But anyway, I didn't know at the time, didn't think about it. But a purple cow, do you remember a knee-high grape? I do. You do remember that?
0: I remember it, but I don't necessarily have the authority here on today's Y'all Show to tell you that I grew up enjoying the knee-high grape beverage because, honestly, I think it faded out at some point in our southern history.
1: You know, eating the eye oranges and grapes and peaches and all those kinds. Of, it was kind of a brand like Coke or Pepsi or so. But anyway, uh, you could belly up to the bar in a belly up to the bar in a in a soda jerk fountain and order a purple cow. Now then, what do you think purple cow consisted of? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Months. I think they put a little carbonated water in it. I'm not real sure. But, uh, it was vanilla ice cream, which, you know, heck boy. Mom. That's hard to beat anything. Put vanilla ice cream and a knee high grape, which color is purple when it mixes Can we go with inside? That vanilla ice cream. And, uh, we call that a purple cow. So I would belly up and say, Hey, give me one of those purple cows. I believe I could use one today. And it might be as hot as it, uh, back an August day. Hey, a purple cow went pretty doggone good. So, uh, that's one, that's the I brought it up to you because I wondered if you would seen the commercial where they got a cow purple and they lead it around and they talk about a purple cow. That's got to be where they came up with the terminology purple cow. So, uh. For those of y'all who lived in those days and and might have enjoyed a purple cow, hey, think back about it. Wouldn't be bad to start over again and have a few more purple cows, right?
0: There you are longing for the old days, Jerry.
1: I can't help myself, you know. When you get my age, you got to look back. You know, it's not a lot of forwards to look out there for. And uh, the way some of the things are going right now. Uh, oh, it's questionable how much forwards out there, but uh anyway, that was some of the uh reminiscing that uh I was throwing your way while we were riding around a little bit today.
0: Well, let's go through a little soft drink history with you, Jerry, since we did bring up knee high knee high and it was pronounced just like I said, knee as in like the thing on the part of your legs knee high but not spelled that way spelled n-e-h-i i wonder how in the world they got that name I it was
1: inter- it for me, it,
0: introduced in 1924 by shiro cola union bottle works the knee high corporation name was adopted in 1928 after the knee high fruit flavored sodas became popular in 1955 in in that year the company changed its name to Royal Crown Cola a Royal Crown Company after the success of its With RC a capital Cola brand. You're was unlimited founded double by miles Hatcher, everywhere. A wow. Columbus and you Georgia can use them grocer on- who began bottling ginger ale and root beer in nineteen oh five. In April two thousand eight, Nehigh became a brand of Dr. Pepper Snapple Group, now known as Keurig Doctor Pepper, in the United States. So it looks like you can still find Nehigh. It's not quite as common as Coke or Pepsi, no. but it looks like it's still out there, and I you can still I've get you a one. purple cow.
1: Yeah, I think I've seen one. Now you've got my interest up, and uh, I may look at every service station on my way home tonight, see if I can find a purple uh DI. Yeah. But, uh, they're hard to find, I think. Well, how uh, about
0: Columbus, Georgia, coming back through in the soft drink annals of our history? Because it was in Columbus, Georgia that a doctor there – Decided to uh, maybe even a pharmacist in the years after the Civil War, of which he was wounded on a bridge there in Columbus, Georgia, and he helped start something called Coca-Cola.
1: That's right, and I think uh, I think Coke actually had its name involved in its uh, mixture then. Coke, yeah. or Coke, yeah, right
0: uh I think so, and I, I think they had to back off of it a little bit,
1: I believe so and uh you know the first one they ever bottled was in Vicksburg and, Vicksburg uh, Mississippi. Mississippi and it was a pharmacist and, you know they seemed to always get into these things, but I think they were delivering medicine across the uh, Mississippi River and other items into Louisiana and to make hope have that uh that spurge uh, that it give you, you know, when you shake it up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, they they decided to put it in a bottle and put a cap on it. And that would hold it that way. So they carried it over in the Louisiana. This is a. What... It used to be a museum in Vicksburg and it burned, but I've been to it when it was still there. And uh, they uh, their themselves as first place to bottle the Coca Cola. It pretty interesting, you know, and they had a lot of, a lot of souvenirs in that place. I've got a five-cent Coke, uh, well, actually, I uh, let my daughter have it, I guess, at her house, but I bought a five-cent Coke machine, and it was one with a crank on the side, and it was a six-ouncer, and it was a, it, it had kind of a fan rotisserie-type deal that rolled around, and you would handle that crank bar and push it down. And then later, the Coke was a nickel in So all it did had a slot for a nickel. But then later it became six cents and they screwed an honor box on the side of it. And you'd drop a penny in it. But that was up to you being honest. It wouldn't work without the Coke, without the nickel, but you could go ahead and get your Coke. But to be honest, you put the penny in the drop box that was screwed on the side hmm. of the machine. And I've got one of those yeah. for my daughter
0: does. Talking with our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short. This is y'all talk with a Southern accent. We always reach into a basket of unknowns when we have Jerry Short on the show. And today we're starting off talking about purple cows and soft drinks. By the way, the founder of Coca-Cola, John Pemberton. I knew the last name was Pemberton. I wasn't totally sure of his first John. name. And it's yeah. a pretty good first name to have, John and he started Coca-Cola. He passed away in the 1880s. Probably had no idea his invention would end up being a amazing company that has been all over the world here of late. Uh, but yeah, we've had a lot of soft drinks here created in the southeast. In fact, Jerry, I happen to have sources telling me if you reach over, we'll go ahead today on the y'all show and do a first, our first live sip. On the Y'all Show, I do believe Uh, within an arm's distance of you, you've got another Southern-based soft drink that you can take a sip of. Yeah, Waco, Texas. Mm. Dr. Pepper.
1: Mm. Not bad, Waco. (laughs) You know? You
0: you approve of Dr. Pepper, it looks like.
1: Oh, yeah. There was also a a drink uh, that was uh, first made and discovered in Greenville, Mississippi. Dr. Pepper? No, that would be uh, Barks Root Beer. Oh, Greenville or Biloxi. <laughs> they sold out to New Orleans, I think. I see. Yeah. And it went to New Orleans. But I think that's where I I think you still make it, don't they? A Barks yeah, they, Root beer.
0: they they bottle it and on the Mississippi Gulf Coast you can find Barks Root beer and it is the reason it is a little bit hard to find in a bottle, because the comp the family sold it to Coca Cola many years ago. And Coke still puts Barks Root Beer out in cans and plastic bottles, but as part of the sale, they reserve the right, the family that was to still continue to bottle it, and it's available on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. In fact, That's there was there was a fella about five or six years ago that went around the southeast with another fella, and he had a whole cooler full of Barks Root Beer on ice, and he would go by radio stations and as a nice little happy give them a nice ice-cold Barks root beer. Hey,
1: that's, that's history in making right there.
0: It was history, and, and I think <clears> you didn't know, know who that was. T- that was. That was me, and that was my co-traveler uh, there, was Jerry Short, who now <laughs> has got off the road and now is in studio with us here talking about all things Southern. So, yeah, we've got the purple cows of the world that people can enjoy this time of year, and that's wonderful if you can find your knee-high I'll tell you Jerry, we we kind of know here based on what we are learning from you today that you are partial to Dr. Pepper. One of the amazing things that has happened in my adult life is a recreation of a favorite part of my childhood. Something that was taken away from me, Jerry, came back yeah. and that doesn't happen all that often in today's world. But one of my favorite things as a kid was my family, they were farmers. And right. one of the only perks you got as a kid working on our family farm was you got to go outside the packing shed, and we had a a, a Coke machine, or Coke? It really it was actually a Pepsi machine. Yeah. But we had all kinds of soft drinks in that thing, <laughs> and and uh, one of my perks was not the fact that I got free drinks. Actually, I didn't, but I usually could find fifty cents somewhere to pay for the Coke bottled that Coke that was.
1: You paid fifty.
0: Ooh. Uh, it might've been 25 cents. It, I mean, <laughs> mm. yeah, it, it, it was a long time ago, but yeah, mm-hmm. we had that going on. And one of the real perks of my childhood was we had Fanta in a bottle in that, in that machine. And I don't know if you remember anything about the old Fanta bottles. I say
1: that was a, uh, uh, wasn't that a diet drink?
0: No, nah, it was a purple drink, just like knee
1: Oh, okay. I don't remember. But, but if you could ever get your... Day.
0: Yeah, Fanta. Yeah. Fanta was a drink that Coca-Cola put out a long time ago. And in the days that they bottled Fanta, their bottles were so awesome to hold. They had the, a ridge, totally little cut-out ridges yeah. along them. And when you grab that, when a when a bottle was cold or right out of ice, it just felt good in your hand. And yeah. so I love the taste of an ice-cold Fanta grape is what we had growing up. And Fanta disappeared. Fanta went away, at least most places in the South at least, stopped having Fanta somewhere in the 1990s. And yes. it wasn't until the South had, and, and America had had a, let's just use the word, invasion from the South. So many people in South America or Central America crossing the border and coming to live here in America Fanta never went away in places like Mexico or Nicaragua. And so those people love Fanta, grape and orange. And so when there were so many people that were Latino that had moved in here, the Coca-Cola company decided to, hey, you know what? Let's reintroduce Fanta. And so you can find Fanta now all over the place, especially in in bottles and, and, and not bottles, in cans and 20 ounce bottles in grocery stores and and convenience stores. I still haven't seen a Fanta bottled at this point, but it, it's only because of the influx of Latinos coming to this part of the world is why we have Fanta drinks now available for purchase.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't know that. I know Coke put a diet drink out the first one, and uh, it was awful because I think my mother tried those things.
0: Are you talking about Tab?
1: That's yeah, Yeah, the Tab. Wasn't it a bottle similar to the one you just described?
0: It probably was.
1: I think it was. And there's one, I hitchhiked over to Birmingham when I was about 14, and Cokes were a nickel. And I figured I had uh, eh, maybe 10 Cokes. With the capital or five one? Five Cokes and five uh, cookies or something to buy for that 10 cents, because everything was a nickel. Say so that would have been out 1960. And I got to Birmingham to the railroad yards, and I went down there, and they had these drinks, but I looked through them, and I had a nickel left, and I, I, one of them was called had an Indian head uh, on the on the outside of the bottle, and he had a war bonnet in there. I think he had a war bonnet. But anyway, I looked at it, and I said, and the name of it was Buffalo Rock. Mm. And I said, that's the one I want with this nickel. That was the worst drink I ever put in my mouth. I don't think I finished it. And I was needing a drink mighty bad. But, you know, I think they may still bottle a Buffalo Rock in the Birmingham area.
0: The name of the distribution company over there for either Pepsi, Cola, or Coke, and I think it's Pepsi, is Buffalo Rock. Oh, really? So you'll see trucks running around central Alabama, Buffalo Rock, but it's not necessarily because of the drink. It's the name of their company.
1: Well, they once had a drink called a Buffalo Rock. Uh Ah. And I can understand why it didn't last because it got my last nickel and I didn't get all, uh, 16 ounces of it. I'll put it that way. Well, the Mm.
0: central Alabama beverage lovers may not have Buffalo rock these days, but I'll tell you what, there's another drink coming out of that part of the world that's spreading like wildfire. It's called Milo's tea. In fact, they have a new factory that's massive in Oklahoma of all places. So way to go there from Milo's out of Birmingham. We're not done with Jerry Short. We actually have some serious stuff to talk about besides soft drinks and beverage history here on this Y'all Show. So hang on, Jerry. Take another sip of the Dr. Pepper while you can. When we come back back on the Y'all Show, we've got more to say from our Tacopola storyteller, Jerry Short. It's Talk with a Southern Accent, and we'll be back right after this.
3: Shut down the
2: party. I can hang with anybody. I can drink whiskey and red wine, champagne and all that. Little
1: scotch on the racks, and I'm fine. I'm fine. But when I
0: taste tequila, baby, I still see you. Cutting up the
1: floor to sorority t shirt. The same one you wore when we were Sky high in Colorado Your lips pressed against the bottle Swimming on a Bible, baby, i never leave you I remember how bad I
0: need her When I taste tequila In back we are, it's y'all talk with a southern accent John And Jerry Short, our Takapola Storyteller, he's with us here for one last segment as we continue to cover all things Southern. He is our Takapola Storyteller, so he mixes in all the stories of yesteryear with what's going on today. And Jerry, it is fantastic to have you here. You have a home that you purchased a couple of years ago, and here on this program, we've talked about lumber prices going through the roof we've talked about everything and today 2021 being so expensive and one of the things that you and i both and maybe a lot of our audience has discovered that homes have been in the last couple of a uh, couple of months almost impossible to find a home on the market so many people looking yeah. with very few houses out there for people to purchase you have a home that you wouldn't mind selling i'm understanding some southern cities you put a house on the market, and then there's ending up a auction, essentially, to sell the yep. houses. Have you ever seen or heard of anything like what we, what we have going on <laughs> now?
1: No, because you could always build a chicken coop if that's what you want. I mean, you could buy a two-by-four or a two-by-six or a two-by-eight or a one-by. But today, those prices have gone sky high. And uh, a, a two-by-four was 6 $7, seems like just months ago. And now they'll cost you 11 or 12 or 10. every now and then you'll catch them on sale so uh you know they might uh, these big chains like lowe's or home depot or something like that they might throw them on sale for nine dollars eight dollars eight fifty if you buy a hundred maybe but uh you could they say that the pricing is up about sixty percent plus on lumber alone because i I dealt in uh, some lumber business before and I know of some plants that have been completely closed and uh, they're wood products plants and, and they're putting them back online. People are spending lots of money. I talked to a guy the other day that said he had $30 million he wanted to buy a sawmill in North Mississippi or part of Alabama or South Tennessee uh, even so uh and that's because of the price of this lumber, however, I just don't think it can last i you know the okay. government's getting involved in so much stuff that it's it's gonna be hard for this to keep going like it is and um uh, i I found myself looking through uh these p b p loans that the government has given out mm-hmm. and um you know, you can you can look at those up on a government site. And, you know, I'm not going to give out all kind of information like that. But you can look at it on a government site. And you can look at any county in any state in the United States. And it will tell you how much money they so-called loaned uh, their customer, if you want to call them that. They loan them so much money. For what they lost during this uh, so-called, well, I'm not going to keep so calling but during this epidemic. And some of the things will blow you away. Some probably deserve it because the government shut down so many things that some people lost money, not wanting to lose the money, wanted to stay open. But they're giving money and big money to people that might just have two lawnmowers and say they got a lawnmower service they're liable to give them thirty or
0: $40,000. Yeah, I and, just reported on the show last week, a Florida couple got a million dollars in loans for the pandemic because they claimed they were farmers, and it was a total fraud. They just got sentenced last week. I'm a little surprised that even happened quick. so quickly.
1: That is mighty quick, and you're right. And I'm glad you brought that up because I've looked, you know, some like car dealerships and things like this, I've looked say in a 50 mile radius of where I am and I'll know most of these people and I'll know it hadn't affected them. And I'll see where they've got 70 or $80,000 and that they'll, they'll have it under two or three different names, but it'll be the same place. And it might be logging. It might be farming. It might be trucking. It might be cutting grass. It might be entertainment. It might be anything. And, They'll. It also give you the information on how many employees they have. So if you're looking for say, let's just say, you're looking for a restaurant in town, and they liable to have 50 employees. Now they might rotate them in 50. I don't know. They might not work with 10 hours. And it's not like it's costing them money because they've been on all this government uh, uh, unemployment, and they they hike that stuff up way beyond what you would normally make anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the total figures and the total amount of money and the, t- it'll give you all that information It'll give you how many people they've loaned to, and it'll give you the number of loans they've made. It will blow you completely away. And I'm, you know, the I'm not knocking it, it, but I've been around it. I've seen car dealerships almost get millions plus, I've seen other things like that. Churches. For- churches,
0: churches got a churches lot of money.
1: money. Now, they may miss some donations, but why should they? You know, if you're going to tithe, you're going to tithe. But uh, there again, they do get money. I've seen some of those bigger churches getting three and $400,000. And I've seen some maybe not give a sixty, And I've seen some with five employees get, uh, not church, you know, I'm not completely a broad blank in that we may go back to something else we may go back to a store that just might sell furniture but they weren't closed and they may be getting ninety, hundred, ten thousand dollars and they may say they have 15 20 employees and i've never seen over five people at the store hmm. so uh you know there's got to be some things going on that are a little bit shaky and like you just uh announced about those people in Florida that they've investigated. And I understand in some of this 50-mile radius that I've kind of went to every county and kind of looked and see who got what from every county, and it's there. If you want to go, you can look it up on a government site. You can look it up on on small business association stuff. But uh, you look it up, and you will absolutely, it'll blow your mind. And, uh, you know, the thing, John, that bothers me about it. You know, everybody likes to take stuff if they think they deserve it, and maybe, hey, we got a freebie here. Yeah. But these freebies they turn into socialism, and then they turn into if you're taking these freebies and it's not your your business is not affected, but you're still taking these freebies, and you become a hypocrite calling yourself a conservative. And you're no more than a liberal, and uh, but you're calling yourself a conservative. And then when you take your money and it goes to the bank and they directly deposit it and they call it a loan, I think I've been told that the banks are getting money off of it also.
0: That is a question, Jerry. You bring up banks. I noticed a... A lot of these loans that you are talking about, the what are they called, P- PTP, the PTP loans?
1: PTP loans, and they're going through banks.
0: Yeah. How, wh- how or why are banks or were banks, this is from 2020, what were the banks doing? What was in it for the banks?
1: Look, banks, I've known of bankers that will run people down and have small businesses that they may be self-contractors. Mm-hmm. They'll run them down and tell them, hey, if you'll get your taxes together and you'll get this together, we can get you money. So I don't know why they would be so eager to get, I'm not talking about these, like it might be a massive dealership for automobiles or something else of that nature or, or, or nursing homes. Now I can understand maybe why nursing homes could get some money, but I don't think they're giving them to the employees, even though they always list the number of employees that they have at these places. Uh, you know, and, and and I'm not throwing stones, and I don't want to be the first person to throw it Sounds stones. like
0: you're throwing them. I'm, I'm sorry, Jerry. I'm sorry I got that $20 million loan from the government.
1: Well, I, you know, I'm going to look your county up as soon as I get off here <laughs> and just check that out for sure. And it'll be there in black and white. All right. And uh, your name will appear. And if you put me down as one of your employees and you got about... Uh, a million dollars. Out. I'm, I'm looking. City.
0: I'm looking you up right now, everybody. Uh, Jerry, <laughs> you know, don't be casting throwing stones my way unless you can take them coming at you.
1: Listen, I'm gonna stay conservative, and uh, you know, unfortunately, this thing can turn into can turn into socialism quick. The more they keep pouring out like they're doing, and if they keep pouring it out like that, what does it turn into next? What's Karl Marx? Is he not the founder of socialism? It's not capitalism, it's socialism, and then it's communism. And then what's beyond that? So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm rattling on a little bit. Yeah. But I've looked through these things, and I have looked uh, at all these loans in every county. And hey, it really dang surprises me when I see a guy that makes says he's got a yard service but he'll list he's got 15 people working for him and he may have one in every town, but if he does, you move to that another County and you'll see him apply it again and you'll see him accept it again. Mm-hmm. Him, it, her, or it, or she or whatever pronoun you'd like to throw at it. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Yeah.
0: Let's be careful on that stuff today. Yeah. Jerry, these websites you referenced, there's several that, track these loans that happened in 2020 and if you're curious you can search these things by zip code or your area and you can be nosy and remember if you got these loans that's government money so you're subject to anybody finding out what this where this was what it went for that comes with the turf and as jerry says there's a lot of people got millions and millions and millions of dollars and we're not sure if it was all on the up and up or not. That's why we bring that up here on today's Y'all show.
1: But and if it's not, uh, it only leads to something worse. Yeah. And uh, you get to, you know, you you know what? What's a? Uh, you always take that uh, easy path, right? It seems no, like, not if you don't have to. No, but I'm talking about search that uh, website and find mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Who took that easy path. Okay. Uh,
0: all right. We'll do it. And uh, for those of us who didn't take the easy path, maybe we can at least be rewarded with a purple cow. That's how we'll wrap hey, this up here. Jerry, thank you very much for coming on here on the y'all show. Happy <laughs> June to you.
1: I didn't mean to get off. Uh, no. on that, But after I had reviewed those things, they really kind of started sinking home. And why would you accept that if you were a true, conservative america if you did not deserve it so that's i'll just end it with that
0: or the flip side if you needed that money or maybe you didn't know about that money you might want to get a different banker one that's a little bit more progressive and wanting to get you that money when it's available jerry thank you very much we'll talk to you again next week sir
1: you got it mr hang in there all
0: right i was waiting for the title here i'm I'm hang
1: hang in there (laughs) mr Uh, That'll work, too.
0: Everybody, our Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short. Well, we have more of the Y'all Show coming up here in the second hour, so stay where you are. We've got it coming up right after this work.
3: Southern Accent. Here's what's cooking in the South from Y'all.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. Nashville-based restaurant chain Houston's is now subject to a targeted campaign started by high school students after the casual eatery removed their favorite food from the menu, the Flying Chicken Platter. To fund a billboard to be set up outside Houston's West Paces Ferry location in Atlanta. The billboard will have the message, Bring the attendees back if their $7,500 goal is met. Word for the campaign is spread online, with Bring Back the Attendees already amassing 3,000 followers on Instagram. The GoFundMe campaign is the latest attempt to get the attention of the restaurant. As previous attempts, such as directly addressing the restaurant, a mass email campaign, a t-shirt protest, and vows of boycotting have proved unsuccessful. One student told WSB TV2 Atlanta that eating chicken ears allowed us to become much closer over what we believe to be the genuinely the best meal on the planet removing the chicken tenders permanently would devastate us, so we are doing something about it. It is unclear why the students chose Atlanta for the billboard. Thus far, they have raised over $2,500 on the GoFundMe. Recipes, tips, headlines, and more at y'all.com.
0: right, Kobe Bennett there with that great information. Yeah, students these days off doing all kinds of social justice, including uh, going after restaurants. Oh, Lord, what have we... uh... What kind of critical mass point have we reached here in today's world? We've got a whole nother hour of talk about the South coming up. It's y'all, and we'll do that just after this break. It's hour three. Part three of this three-hour saga is here. Hello, I'm John, and this is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Great to have you aboard. If you love the American South, you're going to love the Y'all Show. I tell you, we got a mixture of news and sports, a little political talk, a little information on entertainment. We got authors on the Y'all Show. We've got plenty of music talk on Y'all Lots, did I tell you we got lots of sports talk? Yeah, we got like that. Yeah, lots of that. In fact, we got some of that coming to you in just a sec. We also have on the Y'all Show food and recipes and Southern travel. If it's Southern, you're guaranteed to get it right here on Y'all, and we appreciate you for being a part of our fun on this Monday edition with General John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with the show that covers everything Southern. Our website is y'all.com. Y'all is the homepage of the South, and it is a privilege and an an honor to be here with you as the host of the Y'all Show. Here in hour number three of today's Y'all Show, in just a little bit, we'll be telling you about the fastest growing and the fastest shrinking cities in the good old US of A, is your city on the list for for either growing and I know some of you who get stuck in traffic in your towns are sitting there thinking I think the whole country's moving to my town. Yeah, that could be the case. And we'll tell you if it is, in the fastest growing and fastest shrinking cities, as we have the census data in now, we can tell you what uh what's going on from that standpoint. All that's coming your way here, hour three, a look at headlines from across the southeast and before the hour is up, a preview of what's on the Y'all show going forward for the rest of the week. How about that? Does that sound exciting? I think it does. Because we're growing just like the population in some of these big towns. We're growing big. We're growing we're gonna be triple X before you know it. Triple extra large, that is. <laughs> not not that kind of bad movie type talk. No, 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 no. We're going to be more than double X. We're going to be triple X and maybe even a 4X before you know it Here's We're we're just growing and growing and growing here on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Let's get our three going with a sports update. And we'll start off with what happened on Sunday in the NBA and if you happen to tune in, you saw at least one Southern team in the association packing its bags and headed home because the season was officially over for the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks fall to the L.A. Clippers in Game 7, 126-111. to 111. And Dallas concludes a very good season to the other Los Angeles team as Leonard and the Clippers eliminate the Mavs in Game 7 and advance all. Now, we had a Game 1 in the Eastern Conference semifinals on Sunday, and the Atlanta Hawks, with the upset in the nation's liberty capital, if you will, as they go to right around the corner from the Liberty Bell, the Atlanta Hawks get the victory over the 76ers, 128-124. Atlanta has a 1-0 advantage in this Eastern semifinals matchup, with Philadelphia in the NBA. What's on tap here on this Monday? It will be the second game of the bucks nets series from Barclays Center in Brooklyn. The Nets with a 1-0 series lead in that one. And then later on on TNT this evening from Phoenix Suns Arena, the Suns will be hosting the Denver Nuggets in Game 1 of their Western Conference semifinals matchup from the desert, from the valley. The NASCAR, they were racing in Sonoma over the weekend. Kyle Larson, who won just the previous week in Charlotte. Kyle Larson with back-to-back wins as he beat teammate Chase Elliott in overtime to win his second consecutive race, the third of the season, helping Hendrick Motorsports continue a month of dominance. Way to go, Kyle Larson, winning on Sunday in California as he had just won the Larson's Coca-Cola 600 a week ago at Charlotte and now gets the victory in Sonoma. And another win for Rick Hendrick Motorsports, a guy who makes plenty of money being a car owner in a large portion of the southeast with his dealerships. And he makes money not owning cars, at least the Toyotas and Hondas and Chevrolets of the world that most of us regular folk buy, He gets these race car drivers like Elliott and Larson to go out and get a big victory at Sonoma Raceway on Sunday in NASCAR. College baseball. We have the second day of some final games going on today. Let me tell you the lineup of what's on tap here today. For college baseball as several teams punch their tickets sunday we'll get to those in a minute but what's going on today on the diamond across college baseball as your regional finals are going on before they advance to the super regionals and some games are coming down to this seventh game of the series which means you win you move to the semifinal or you mean you move on to the super regionals you lose and your season is over with Southern Miss with a big win at Swayze Field on Sunday evening. And there in front of 11,000 fans on the University of Mississippi campus at Oxford University Stadium. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles fly up from Hattiesburg and Southern Miss to the top. They get the victory over Mississippi. They will have a game to decide the champion of that regional, and it will be a one-eastern game from Oxford, Southern Miss, and Mississippi in the Oxford Regional. Now, down in Starkville from Oxford, they've got a game that is not the know-all, be-all, end-all. It's a game six because they had some weather issues in Stark Vegas on Sunday. Mississippi State and the Campbell Fighting Camels on the diamond for an early game. If MSU wins that one, they advance to the Super Regionals. If they lose to Campbell... The Big South program and the SEC program will get back together late afternoon on the Diamond and Starkville for this deciding game to advance to the Super Regionals. Another SEC team is playing on this Monday that most thought they would be taking the day off getting ready for Super Regionals. The number one team in all of college baseball, the Arkansas Razorbacks, upset on Sunday at home by the Nebraska Cornhuskers out of the Big Ten and now the Neb and the Razorbacks on the Diamond from Baum Stadium on this Monday evening. Winner advances, loser goes home. Virginia and Old Dominion from the Columbia, South Carolina Regional. ODU and UVA, two Virginia schools facing off in the Palmetto State. And Virginia, a recent college baseball national champion with this upstart Monarchs program out of Conference USA. It ought to be a good one from Founders Park in Columbia SC. Now a couple of games going on in California late on this Monday. Stanford and UC Irvine have an, a, a deciding game seven with the winner advancing. Oregon and the comeback LSU Tigers with a chance to go on to a super regional if LSU and Palmineri find a way to win the Eugene Regional. That is set for 10 Eastern, 9 Central, between the Ducks and the Fighting Tigers of LSU. Now, some teams on Sunday got the victory and have already packed their bags and are heading off to the Super Regionals. Some of the teams that won on Sunday that get to advance forward and don't have to play anymore include Notre Dame. Notre Dame got a victory over Central Michigan, and they go on to a Super Regional. The Tennessee Volunteers getting the victory over Liberty on Sunday and UT is moving on to the Super Regionals. First time that's happened in quite some time. Great job, Tony Vitello and the Big Orange. The Wolf Pack of NC State won the Rustin Regional in this ACC program, and Coach Elliott Avant get to go on to a Super Regional. Congratulations to the Cardiac Pack. The Texas Tech Red Raiders beat UCLA Sunday. They advanced to a Super Regional. You also had East Carolina out of the American. The Pirates get the victory over Maryland in the Sunday game, and they advance. The Vanderbilt Commodores beat Georgia Tech late and went to 11 innings, but VU with the win, the Vandy Boys advance to the Super Regionals. Texas with a win over Fairfield. Texas moves on to the Super Regionals. Also, you have Arizona. Arizona advances to the Super Regional after the Cats got the 5-2 victory over UC Santa Barbara on Sunday. And that is what happened on college baseball. Super Regionals, again, after your 16 teams all make their way and you figure out exactly who's playing who, your 16 teams end up having what they call the Super Regionals coming up this weekend at respective sites around college baseball. Now, I think I am going to play this clip here because it's pretty funny. Now, there is a curse word, but this at least made the past the censors of ESPN, so I, I think we'll be okay here, I think. But this is a Virginia baseball pitcher who channeled his inner Kenny Powers when talking after Virginia beat South Carolina in its – college baseball regional in columbia south carolina on sunday virginia had to turn around and defeat old dominion sunday night at founders park and now uva and odu with a championship of that regional here on this monday here is and i'll give you his name after the clip plays this university of virginia pitcher pretty funny guy pretty smart guy I think you'll enjoy this interview here. Done post-game after UVA, the Hoos, got the victory over the Gamecocks.
2: You walk into a stadium, 8,000 people, they all want you to lose. But as long as you got your 26 guys ready to kick or kick butt, um, <laughs> you're going to be all right. Sorry, I sweared. I shouldn't have No, swayed. you're good, man. Let's go back to that last inning, ninth inning. What are the emotions like entering that inning? Well, emotions are go in, win. I heard a fan offer free dipping Dots if I blew it, which the price of dipping Dots with inflation is just unreal. So for a brief moment, I was like, damn, dipping Dots sound good. But also I thought in the back of my head, we win today, we win tomorrow or tonight. We're going to be here another day. That's more per diem. So that means I can buy my own dipping Dots and be a winner. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to attack. I think three words every time I'm out there, the first one's a swear word, starts with F. Um, second words attack, third ones win. And I just repeat that to myself. Unless, you know, there's a breach in the system and I walk a walkie guy and I got to tell myself I'm a few different things that isn't a winner. Um, I might break that, but then I get right back on it just this attack win, you know? And Steve, it's really easy pitching when you got defense like ours, I tell you. It's so easy when when they're yeah. behind you. As long as you Dynamite keep playing in the yard, it. you got a chance. Which is pretty cool. Does anything make you nervous? Caves. <laughs> Mainly. Um, nothing really. I mean, I don't see any caves out here. I know we're in the south, but it's not the desert. That's where I find most caves are probably at. But, you know, this is just a game. There's going to be way harder things in life than striking out the side or not walking somebody. So. I don't really get too caught up in all the jibber-jabber and all the mean things people might say to me because it's just, you know, I think I'm a cool guy. My dogs think I'm awesome. My teammates like me. And my friends like me. So I'm going to attack and to win. <laughs> Simple. Here's one last one for you. Yeah, no problem. You've heard this before. Yeah. When people say Kenny Powers, what do you think? I think, damn, I'm doing a good job. Because <laughs> 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 like I said, the dude... <laughs> The dude took 86 to the big leagues after being out of the big leagues. You kidding me? You kidding me? He took that and turned it into a winner. So people are like, oh, Kenny Powers. I'm like, I mean, I might throw a little differently, a little, a little firmer than he did after, you know, he started boozing and doing frogs, but I mean, that probably won't be a big part of my life as it was his, but hey, it's Kenny P. He's a winner. End of the day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fun interview there with Virginia right-handed reliever Stephen Scotch. I think his last name is pronounced. And he was pretty happy and talkative after Virginia got the upset at the Columbia Regional over the homestanding South Carolina Gamecocks. And Virginia, again, suiting up and having a game against Old Dominion here on this Monday. If you want to see Stephen perhaps get his, I think, ninth save of the year, you'll have to tune in to ESPNU, UVA and ODU, 7 Eastern on ESPNU as the winner advances to the college baseball super regionals. Fun time of year as these teams try to find themselves in Omaha, Nebraska in a couple of days. A guy who is going to find a new address in 2021 in the NFL, Julio Jones, the Atlanta Falcons trading Jones to the Tennessee Titans on Sunday in exchange for The wideout, the Titans will send a 2022 second-round draft pick and a 2023 fourth-round selection to the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons also, in addition to sending Jones north to Nashville, are sending a 2023 sixth-round pick to the Tennessee Titans. The deal is pending a physical, according to the NFL franchise out of Nashville, Tennessee. The Titans' general manager, John Robinson, told reporters Sunday – Excited to add Julio to the football team. He's excited to be part of what we are got going on in Nashville. And certainly, Jones was ready for a change, as he had indicated recently on a podcast with Shannon Sharp, that he would not be back with the Atlanta Falcons in 2021. So now he gets to join his former Alabama Crimson Tide star, although I don't think they were teammates at the same time. Could have been. Derek Henry is on the Titans, and a guy – who has a connection to the SEC West, A.J. Brown, in that other wideout position for the Titans. And so you're seeing a great turnaround of offensive weapons for the Tennessee Titans of the NFL. Taylor Juan, an offensive lineman for the Titans, tweeting on Sunday, talking about his general manager, John Robinson, J. Rob is a gangster. The man is crushing it. Ryan Tannehill, quarterback of the Titans, with a tweet saying, Let's go, in reference to Julio Jones being announced that he will be going to the Titans. How about the sports book? The odds makers have the Titans now improving from 35 to 1 odds of winning the Super Bowl this year to 30 to 1 odds. And their odds of winning the AFC improving from 18 to 1 to 15 to 1 odds. The odds of winning the AFC South improve from plus 120 to plus 110, which ties them with the Indianapolis Colts. Most people say this is a very, very big addition to the Titans, and I can't deny the fact that Jones, whose base salary of $15.3 million is fully guaranteed for this season, is only going to help. The question I have is the departure of the 32-year-old receiver from Atlanta to to the Tennessee Titans, where does this lead the Falcons? Are the Falcons going to be any good this year? The Falcons struggled in 2020, and they have to fill in for Jones and other players who have found other NFL teams to be a part of this coming season. The Falcons could have chosen a quarterback in the draft as they had draft pick number four. They got the tight end out of Florida with that pick. But with the new coach there, Coach Smith and the Falcons, where are they going to be this year? Are they essentially okay with having a subpar year trying to beef up that roster in the forthcoming 2022 NFL draft? Matt Ryan, of course, quarterback of Atlanta, been there a long time. Is he going to have what it takes to get this team back to playoff contention, back to a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl of which they're still are struggling with what happened in that game against the Patriots some five years ago. Atlanta Falcons, I feel for you here. you got a lot of questions. Some good news out of the NFC South to report. As the son of former Carolina Panthers tied in and last year played for the Seattle Seahawks, Greg Olson, his eight-year-old son, has been given a heart, a new heart, after a heart transplant happened over the weekend in Charlotte. Eight year old TJ Olson getting a donor heart. What a wonderful story. Sadly, someone loses a life. A child somewhere lost a life, and therefore the child of Greg Olson gets a new heart. As Greg Olson put out on social media, today is a day of mixed emotions. A day we've prayed for has arrived. We were alerted last night that there was a donor match for TJ to receive his heart transplant. Walking our little boy with tears of hope and fear in our eyes was one of the toughest moments of our lives, I guess, walking him into surgery. And, uh, yeah, some family out there lost some kid. But the Olsons may, if this works out, have their young son, 8-year-old TJ, around for a lot longer, thanks to the unselfish sacrifice of a youngster out there. NBA on Sunday, you saw... A little bit of a surprise. The Dallas Mavericks, I thought, had the momentum going into Game 7. They lose to the Clippers, 126-111. The Atlanta Hawks, and and therefore the Clippers, win that series. Atlanta Hawks in the first game of their series with the 76ers get the 128-124 victory in Game 1 of the Eastern Semifinals. What's on tap in the NBA here on this Monday? The Milwaukee Bucks and Brooklyn Nets resume their series in Barclays Center. Bucks trail in that series 1-0, one Brooklyn with the lead. And then you've got game one of the Western semifinals matchup between the Denver Nuggets and the Suns taking place at Phoenix Suns Arena in Phoenix. And both of those games on this Monday televised on TNT, and TNT beginning at 7.30 Eastern when the Bucks and Nets tip off against each other. To golf, and on Sunday, I'll start out with the ladies. I tuned in for most of the U.S. Women's Open from San Francisco And it was a very, very good last couple of holes. A matchup that saw Florida resident Lexi Thompson with a five-stroke lead after the eighth hole. But she finished the final seven holes five over, and she ended up losing by a stroke. Didn't make it into the playoff. Lexi Thompson, who could have won her first U.S. Open, loses what should have been an easy coasting through the back nine, at the Olympic golf course there in San Francisco. Instead, Filipina Yuka Sasso wins. And Sasso is a 19-year-old native of the Philippines, and she got a 10-foot putt for birdie on the third playoff hole Sunday as she edged out Japanese golfer Nasa Hatoka and became just the second teenager to win the U.S. Women's Open in a very, very good performance. She'll be turning 20 in just a couple of days but a lot of Filipinas there in the San Francisco area rooting her own. And she now matches 2008 winner NB Park as the youngest women's open champion at just 19 years, 11 months, 17 days. Very good tournament. Well played. Great golf course. The late course at the Olympic Club was on display and it was beautiful. But a lot of questions now on the Florida golfer Lexi, Thomas, Lexi Thompson, how she could have lost this game with so many strokes in the lead heading into that back nine. To the men's golf tournament, side and Patrick Cantley edged out on Sunday. Colin Markawa winning in playoff holes. I think it was the second playoff hole. I think. I, tuned in. I was kind of bouncing back and forth watching both the PGA Tour and the Women's U.S. Open. Cantley with a edging of Marikawa and wins 1.7 million dollars by the way at mirrorfield village jack nicholas's golf course in dublin ohio at the memorials where the pga tour found itself over the weekend that's one of the priciest victories you can get if you win that 1.7 not too many golf tournaments are hovering around the two million dollar mark this one is one of them now Patrick Cantley's his victory, this former Stanford golfer, his victory will always come with a big asterisk, and that's because John Rahm, a good guy with a good name, good Spaniard, he should have won this tournament. He had a six-stroke lead, I think, heading into Sunday when after he finished his third round, got told, Mr. Rahm, sorry, but you tested positive for COVID, and you're going to have to be disqualified for the fourth round. I'm sure Rom would have won this tournament, the Memorial, on Sunday. But unfortunately, the rules are what they are, and John Rom had to not only leave the tournament, he's got to be in quarantine now for over a week, and it's going to be tough for him to make it to the golf the, to the next major on the PGA Tour, which is the U.S. Open, which is I think next weekend, not this coming weekend, but another week after that, and it's going to be extremely close to see if John Rom can even suit up for that. And that is a quick look at the sports goings on here on this Monday on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. When we come back, we've got a report on the fastest growing and fastest shrinking cities in the entire country and which of these are in the Southeast. All that is ahead on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent with your host, John Raw. Hold on, we got that up next. got a few minutes left here in hour number three this is the y'all show a john Rawl, 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with y'all and as we roll on through this third hour we're going to have a chance here to look at some population numbers thanks to the recent completed the recently completed u.s census data coming in from that and we know now the fastest growing and fastest shrinking cities in the country, and I'll focus in on the southern cities that have made the list for both growth and also for decline. And if you look at the 10 cities by population increase by the percentage of their population increase, the cities by that figure that are noted here in the race, recent information coming from the census that are at least from the south. Bentonville, Arkansas is one of the biggest cities in the country, the top 10 at least, of percent population increase. Northwest Arkansas, they had a percentage change from 2010 to 2019, that decade there, of a percentage of a 53% growth. 53% growth. Bentonville, Arkansas, a plus population of almost 20,000 people moving into Bentonville, thanks to companies like Walmart located there and more. In Texas, New Braunfels, that had a 55% increase over the decade from 2010 to 2020. They, in New Braunfels, increased their population by 32,000. The population of that city is now 90,000 compared to 58,000 back in 2010 another city in north in north in the south in north carolina apex not far from raleigh durham apex had a 56% increase in population in that decade apex now a population of just under 60,000 up from 27,000 back in 2010 56% population boost to apex North Carolina, two, actually three more cities in Texas still to go as we work our way through the top 10 cities by population increase. This is by percentage increase. Up next, Georgetown, Texas. Georgetown has right at 80,000 residents now. 2010, they had 45,000. That is a 31,000 population increase, a 65% population increase plus change frisco texas north of dallas frisco with now 200,000 residents in frisco texas home of the fcs national championship home of the dallas soccer team i think it's fcs dallas or not fcs whatever the soccer team there, major league soccer teams in frisco over 200,000 residents and in 2010 they had just around 110,000 in Frisco, Texas. That is a nearly 70% plus gain for Frisco. A city in Arizona is also in the top 5, Queen Creek, Arizona. Another Texas town finds itself in the top 10 of top 10 cities in the country by percentage population increase from the year 2010 to 2020, and that city would be Little Elm, Little Elm, Texas now has 53,000 residents, up from just around 16,000 back in 2010. And that is a population change of nearly 27,000 people, a 102% gain for Little Elm, Texas. And here, if you're not all that familiar with the Lone Star State, and perhaps you're not familiar with Little Elm because just a little while ago, Little Elm was not that big of a place, but now it is a booming place And the Lone Star State, and if you're not familiar with where Little Elm is, it is located not far from Frisco, Texas. It is literally the community just to the west of Frisco. And I just mentioned Frisco was an area that's on this list of growing places. And right there, you'll find just to the west of Frisco, Little Elm. Little Elm is right in Denton County. It borders Louisville Lake, a beautiful place there north of Dallas and talk about a hot area to be in north dallas there with little elm and now frisco both in the top 10 of cities that are booming booming with population growth here in the last 10 years up next is leander texas leander texas ends up being the highest by population growth percentage wise in the in the in the south and in the country as leander has now got 63,000 residents up from 27,000 with a 125% positive growth in the 10 years between 2010 and 2020, Leander, Texas. Now, I'm going to be stunned if I found out that Leander is also in the Frisco area. Maybe it's somewhere else in Texas. Let's see here. Leander, Texas is a city in Williamson and Travis counties in the state of Texas. So that means it is in the Austin area. Leander is just to the west of Round Rock, Texas. It is just to the southwest of Georgetown, Texas, which is one of the cities that I've already mentioned. Georgetown is one of your top areas in the country growing right now. Georgetown with almost 80,000 residents and a growth of 65% in the decade between 2010 and 2020, and now Leander, Texas, also in the Austin area, is your biggest southern cities in terms of a percentage change with a 125% growth between 2010 and 2020. Talk about your city city planners in that area trying to get things settled and, and all that going forward, all the information. I guess since they're right there by the state capitol, they'll have a lot of help out of Austin. The biggest... Change in the country courtesy of Harriman, Utah, that city with a 128% growth between 2010 and 2020. Harriman went from 22,000 residents back in 2010 to now having over 52,000 residents, 126% growth in that Utah town, but still a lot of people moving into the South. And if you look at the map, every city in the country that had Uh, percentage population increase the biggest growth in the country every city was in the south with the exception of harriman utah buckeye arizona and queens queen creek arizona those were the non-southern places two in arizona one in utah everything else was in the south now we're going to flip it over and tell you about the cities that had the biggest shrinkage of population by percentage in the country A lot of these were in the industrial north we do have a few in the south in fact we've got six six of the 10 cities that had a decrease of population were southern cities they are charleston west virginia charleston led the country in percentage change of population charleston back in 2010 had 51,000 residents it's now to 46,000 in the state capital of the mountain state that is a nearly 10 percent decline in percentage of population jackson mississippi the capital of the great state of mississippi jackson mississippi had a nearly eight percent decline in population going from 173,000 people down to 160 over the course of that decade 13,000 people saying goodbye to Jackson. Or either they died or they just did not report like they should have. But Jackson, the capital of the Magnolia State, shrinking in population. Jacksonville, North Carolina, shrinking in population, going from around 78,000 down to 72,000 in the 2020 census, a decrease of over 5,600 people. That is a 7% decline Jacksonville, North Carolina, Shreveport, Northwest Louisiana. A little hard to believe this. Shreveport declined in population. Going from over 200,000 people in 2010 now down to around 187,000 people. A 7% population decline, decline there in the Shreveport, bossier City area. Specifically, city of Shreveport here for this survey of the top cities in the country. And their percent population decrease. A city in Illinois decreasing, Decatur. Albany, Georgia. Albany, Georgia also decreasing, going from 77,000 down to 72 in the latest census, a decline of around 7%. Gary, Indiana's in the decline. So is Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Rocky Mount was at 58,000 back in 2010, their population going down to 54,000. That's nearly a 6.5% decline. Hammond, Indiana declining, so was Flint, Michigan. I guess they don't have any good water there, and that helps to decline. But yeah, a lot of cities decreasing, none more than, let's say, Shreveport. Shreveport with that massive, from over 200,000 now, 14,000 less people living in northwest Louisiana in this big city there, Shreveport. But those numbers, courtesy of the latest population trends and the U.S. census and yeah we got some places booming in the south we got some places that are struggling too we don't want to leave them out when we come back on the y'all show we've got a quick look at some developing headlines here on this monday and before the hour is done we'll take a look at what's going to be on the y'all show the rest of the week this is y'all talk with a southern accent thanks for listening Got a few minutes left here in this final hour of y'all on this Monday. A developing story here on this Monday and a decision some call controversial. The FDA has just approved its first new Alzheimer's disease drug. The first time they've done this, approving an Alzheimer's-related drug in nearly 20 years. As the FDA on this Monday approving the use of the experimental drug aducanumab. And that's a proof for the early phases of Alzheimer's dis- disease, despite an advisory from the administration committee concluding last year that there's not enough evidence to support the effectiveness of treatment from this drug. The drug was development for patients with mild cognitive impairment, not severe dementia, and is intended to slow progression of Alzheimer's disease, not just ease symptoms. One of the most tragic Things out there today is Alzheimer's, and man, it'd be wonderful if we could find a cure for this and cancer. But yeah, this this tragic, we all know someone or know families who have had to deal with Alzheimer's, and now some news on that front to start our week out here on the y'all show. Let's tell you a little bit about a guy from Houston, Texas. Have y'all heard about Mattress Mac? Mattress Mac has a chain of furniture stores. Mattress stores, actually, to be more specific. That's why he's called Mattress Mac. (laughs) And on Thursday of last week, Jim Mattress Mac McInvale has unveiled a new high water rescue truck for the Houston area. Of course, Houston, being right near the Gulf of Mexico, often has problems with flooding and more. And. The owner of Gallery Furniture unveiled a new high-water rescue truck his team will be able to use to rescue residents of Houston during severe weather and flooding. Mac and his team have previously used company trucks to rescue Houston residents and bring them back to his furniture store's big showroom in North Houston, which he's opened as a shelter during prior disasters. That includes Hurricane Harvey in 2017 and the awful, deadly winter storm that hit Texas in February. And now, this truck, which can safely drive through 55 inches of water, has a hydraulic lift gate. I wonder if there's even anything like this in the Houston Fire Department available for use. This water, high water safety truck was designed by General Truck Body Manufacturing Company, and it has also supplied high water rescue vehicles. There, there's the answer for Houston's fire department. So, yes, this truck arriving. Just in time for the Atlantic hurricane season, which began on June 1st. But Mattress Mac in Houston helping out his local community with the unveiling of a new high-water rescue truck. Way to go, Mattress Mac. And if you're not familiar with Jim Mattress Mac Mackingvale, he's the guy that bets on big sporting events. Just this year, he bet $3.46 million on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to cover the 3.5-point Super Bowl spread. And I think that worked out pretty well for him. I do believe he got a few extra dollars. Now, he's also known for placing the bet back in 2019 when the Astros and Washington Nationals were in the World Series. He went over to Biloxi, and through DraftKings, he placed a $3.5 million futures bet on the Astros winning that, and they lost to the Nationals in seven games. But Mattress Mac, the big-time better now betting on his local community with a high-water rescue truck. A feel-good story here on a Monday. And lastly, if you happen to be at Dick's Sporting Goods in Knoxville, Tennessee over the weekend, you might have seen a familiar face as Nashville resident Carrie Underwood made her way to Knox County, and there she got to surprise people at Dick's House of Sport at West Town Mall in Knoxville, and that's because Carrie Underwood has her own fitness line. She's got her own line, and she surprised a group of fans and fitness instructors at this newly opened Dick's House of Sport at West Town Mall over the weekend. And she and her trainer, Eve Overland, came in, surprised people, at this Dick's House of Sports, which is affiliated with Dick's Sporting Goods. In fact, it's the second ever Dick's House of Sports sport store, and it had its grand opening On Friday at West Town Mall. It has 24,000 square feet of turf field. Rock climbing walls and batting cages. And there Carrie Underwood. At this Knoxville location. And while she was there. She decided to guide the folks there. Through a workout inspired by her own fitness app. Fit 52. Plus those attending were given an immersive. C-A-L-I-A shopping experience. At this new. Shopping place, C L I A, is pronounced Kalia, Kalia, and that is what Carrie Underwood was doing there. The founder of Kalia, and there in Knoxville this past weekend to surprise people and get them in the mood there. But a good job getting out of Nashville and heading over to Dick's House of Sport in Knoxville for this big unveil and a big surprise for all those who saw this country star. Coming into that place in Knoxville. We have got one last segment. We'll tell you about what's on y'all the rest of the week. That's coming up right after this. Stay tuned to the show that is all about the South. Well, we've come to the end of the Monday show. Thank you so much for being a part of y'all talk with a southern accent. On the Tuesday, y'all show, we'll have our barbecue barrister, Matt Herman's back on. We'll also get in to talk a little college baseball with us on the Tuesday, y'all show. Wednesday, ACC discussion with Jonathan Leifant. we got some ACC teams punching their ticket to Super Regionals. We'll get Jonathan's take on our Tuesday, or rather Wednesday, Y'all Show. Also on the Thursday, Y'all Show, we'll get you all the good stuff coming from Nashville with our country music report and entertainment headlines as well on Thursday's Y'all Show. We'll see you back here for Tuesday's production. It has been a pleasure. John Rawl signing off of Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Visit us at Y'all, the homepage of the South.